Okay, episode 14, Team Jack. Episode 14. Hmm. It's, it is fucking dark in here. Thanks, J- Jack, don't crack. Yeah, it's fucking dark. No, 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 no. Jack, don't episode crack. Episode... F- Shush. One of our guests today is on Tramadol. Shush. Um, Matt Cohen, episode 14, Now It's Dark. That's a line from Blue Velvet. It's always got to be something movie-related. All right, so we're off and running. We're late this week. Sorry, y'all. Um, subscribers. Matt. It's going up. To, yeah, but we were supposed to air this afternoon. Oh, it's a few hours late. <laughs> oh, come on, Late's late, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Matt Cohen was in Vegas over the weekend, so we decided to hold off on the record until he got back last night. So we're, uh, we're doing it now. We're doing this. Let's be fetishistic about it. We're doing it at 545 Pacific Standard Time, Wednesday, January 11th. We are rolling on episode 14. Now it's dark with me, Matt Cohen, the camel toad himself. Steve Henges. Stephen Henges. Stephen Henges on Twitter. Uh, actually, are you on Twitter? It's, uh, yeah, SCH at Stephen Hinches on Twitter, but I, I, I have like three followers, so it's... Not anymore, you don't? No. Get ready. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Get ready for another four. Woohoo! Spell it again, though. What are you uh, on Twitter? It's uh, SCH at Stephen Hinches, S-T-E-V-E-N-H-E-N-T-G-E-S. Right. Or you can find me on Facebook. Or, I uh, see, that's where I draw the line, which maybe we'll talk about later in the episode, but... Also with us, returning, is our... Uh, legal counsel. Hello. Kerrigan Hennings. Hello. Who is, uh, all doped up on tramadol and what's, what scotch are you drinking? What are you mixing with that? Glenn, some tramadol. Glenn. 18 years old. I went to the dentist today, so I'm very, well, I'm not in pain anymore. (laughs) 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 I was. Um, everybody knows the beats on Cohen and Kerrigan, so Steve Henges by way of introduction. Uh, Steve and I met on a PATH train. That's Port Authority Trans Hudson train. New Jersey to, or no, New York to New Jersey. Uh, was it coming back? It was coming, it was going into New Jersey, I think. Right. Coming from, let's be very, very specific. Coming from, coming from uh, Manhattan. 20, 23rd Street, uh, I think. 23rd Street. To, uh, to Pavonia Newport. Right. Which is where you were staying as a... It was my first year at the School of Visual Arts. That was the, there, even though the school was in Manhattan, the dorms were in, uh, New Jersey. Are you serious? Yeah, it was kind of, but you know, it was kind of cool because every day you kind of, you know, coming from Texas, you know, here you are, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed New York City. It was a way to kind of get out of the city every day and, you know, it was well, nice. Well, literally, you could see the city back view, across right. the river. Um, and you just, in, in Jersey, from Jersey City, that, uh, that cauldron of terrorism. Jersey City. There are dorms there now, and you can always get drunk there. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, really? Are they really? Um, who's going to pass the mic? Well, uh, Does the mic need passing for no, that point? No, pretty fucking loud. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can sit over there, and we can share. You can sit over there if you want to. I kind of want to, because it's a comfortable chair. Yeah. Um, okay. Microphones are moving. Tacking. Everybody duck or you'll be swept overboard. When did you go to SVA? Uh, for like a year in 2003. 
in the film program or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reeves Lehman's still there? I have no idea. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was, there was a bar next door, so I was, that's oh, yeah. why I only that went was there my, for that a was my year. Too, that pub? Yeah, yeah. Walks out on the hillside. Yeah, great door. planning for a fucking college. Right? Like a pub that doesn't ID underage drinkers <laughs> next door. What were you in there? What were you at film, for? Film. Directing? Yeah, yeah. I just remember at one point trying to drunkenly, passionately defend the film Willard that had just came out to like a room of like 200 fucking adults. <laughs> the remake? Yeah, with Crispin Glover. Crispin and Glover, I was like, it's a directed love by story. One of the, no um, one gets Final it. Destination guys, I think. Uh, right? Wong, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. X-Files, um, Final exactly. Destination. Uh, guy. I went to SVA for a minute there, okay. but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I never, I never wound up graduating from college. I, I did like three Neither did I. Three different films. I never even got a credit from college, actually. I was I was there to I was a voyeur. I was just there to observe other people going to college. That's so I could one day use it for fodder. But um, that's so funny. I watched Steve was, at, Steve was actually at SVA as an exhibitionist. That's right. It didn't, it didn't go well. As a voyeur, you were an exhibitionist. Uh, right on, man. Um. So Steve and I met on a path train. Steve was, if memory serves, I was, was standing. Steve was seated. Steve had in his lap a copy of Village Voice. Was it Village Voice or was it Weekly no, Variety? No, it, it was the Village Voice, and it was the I, I want to say it was the IFM or the AF. AFM market, and it was uh, yeah. I was looking at it. I had just seen this movie, uh, a movie called The Boy Who Cried Bitch, and I had and, just seen it as well. Right, and I flipped super open the page. esoteric, tiny, tiny movie. Right, the Boy I, I, Who Cried like Bitch. ten people saw it. Yep, it was and, at the market. I'm sorry, it was at the market, but I I, I saw it at, a, at one of my favorite little theaters in New York City, which you and I used to go to. That Village totally, East, by the way. Steve is a born podcaster. He is like taking it off, painting and layering in the detail. Yes. Layering. This in is it. my first podcast. Is that true? It is true. in your life. We in never life, would have known. This is my first All right, podcast. go. So your very favorite theater, which is where, uh, you saw, where we both saw Boy Who Cried. Right on Second uh, Avenue, um, right. between 10, 11th and twelfth. Eleven twelve. Uh, I was there four days ago. They have three D now, which really freaked me out. Oh, that's weird. They were that's, showing Ben uh, right. in three D at the Village East, and I was like, "That's fucked up. I don't want to." I that and also point. I can't. Really imagined their 3D would be amazing. You yeah, know what I mean, although I guess in the big theater it might. That one, which is the one, one great... theater that's really worth going to because it's the old Yiddish theater was actually I think the title of it. It's a beautiful. I saw rush hour there. Spectacular ceiling, really. Yeah, in the I, main and there's house. A bal- yeah, and there's the balcony, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I beautiful. Sat in the balcony. I think City Cinemas. Do you think that's still the chain that uh, owns it? Was, it was. I mean, I was there two years ago, and it was still City Cinemas. I don't know if it is now. City but. Cinemas, Village East Cinema. Uh, if you're interested in movie theaters the way Steve Henches and I are, Google it. Look for pictures of the main auditorium, which they restored. It's where I also saw Newsies sitting behind the critic for the Village Voice. Oh, I saw that's the right. Fifth Element there, you too. like the politics of it. Right. <laughs> that's what she told me. I kind of like the politics of it. I got a random one to get us get us going here. What is your most memorable movie theater movie experience? And that doesn't have to be the film that you saw, just maybe the theater itself, the the hype surrounding it, the event. That's I'll start off. I I'll saw, I'll saw, I, I saw ID4 on July 4th at the Zigfield with my parents when I was like 11. Right. And that was fucking amazing. I right. lost my mind. The Zigfield is kind of a dump though, right? It is, but as a little kid from fucking Long Island where all I know is like shitty Long well, Island theaters. I was in the, the city, there's a balcony, yeah. it's the Zigfield, we went yeah. to dinner before. You in know New York I mean? City, in Manhattan, we should be clear, the Zigfield is sort of the best of, it's seen as the best of the best and it's the main premiere theater that everybody... It's bigger yeah, than Manhattan, though, isn't it? Well, eh. I think it's it's around the same size. Maybe it's just it's that same sort of thing. Completely of Chinese, unremarkable though. architecturally. Exactly, it has the, the history. 
If the mans didn't do that renovation a couple years ago to make it all red and cool and badass, yeah. it would have looked the same. It's that old kind of, it's the history because it was the Ziegfeld Follies and first right. it was, it was a, a kind of vaudeville Broadway thing before it was a movie I feel theater. like a lot of damage was done during the 50s and 60s and a lot of bad remodels that haven't been undone. Totally, and they've never gone in there and like pumped money in. They haven't spent a fucking dime on that place. To restore it to any kind of. Yes, and then we also had the New York premiere of Dreamgirls there. <laughs> if, for, if you're a movie musical, you must, you must, Kerrigan, you must take the microphone. If you're a movie <laughs> musical, you must premiere at the Ziegfeld in New York. That's kind of the model for the modern movie musical. Everybody premieres at the Ziegfeld, and then you run at the Ziegfeld, sometimes exclusively. I once saw a movie at Ziegfeld by myself. I was the only one in the theater. City of Joy. With Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, yeah, Roland Joffe. And um, did you It was weird. Masturbate? You know, being, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Joyfully. <laughs> Enjoyness. Um, if you were the only one in the theater, no matter what the movie is. They did, they run it. City of Joy, Roland but, Joffe. That's right, that was 1990. Um, you, should have, you should have pulled it out and had a go. <laughs> Why not? That, and that would be my, that would be the answer. My, um, my previously described anecdote on, uh, episode 426 of Team Jack, where I, uh, so memorably wiped my hand in that puddle of semen oh. after a, uh, oh. midnight screening of Top Gun and 70mm <laughs> at Warenberg's Clarkson 6A, where I was working as an usher. I mean, there is, is that, there is that, that volleyball scene, right? How could you not? <laughs> yeah, and and somebody uh, had to go. Someone what was did the, what Steve was. You and I both worked in, in movie theaters. What was the what was the most disgusting thing you ever found cleaning up a movie theater? That would be the uh, wad of steaming cum left on the chair <laughs> after this midnight screening of Top Gun in okay. seventy millimeter. But that was you, you, that was one that was one time, right? Did you, what, what, yeah. what struck me was. That was it. On more than multiple, on multiple occasions, I found the, the cups of urine. Like people are, were so <laughs> fucking lazy. They, they, they would finish their drink. They couldn't go to the bathroom. They would fill up, you know, a, their, their glass with, you know, they'd piss right into it. And it was, I mean, this was not once or twice. I mean, 10, 20 times I found Steve, cups. Steve, let me check class. my memory here. Let me check my memory. <laughs> Did you earn your monkey stripes at was it Plit or was it, it, it was, Cineplex Odeon? I was, what started is Plit. I was you there. You started. I did at Plit, Plit for a month and then they, then Cineplex and then Odeon Cineplex bought Odeon it. Odeon from Canada. That's right. Garth, dropped Garth down Dribbins. and swallowed up all the Plits. That's right. So to speak. That Plit. Was, uh, that was my high school, my high school years. Pronounce it. Plit. Um, and what was the uniform, Steve? Uh, for the it play, it was just the it was kind of like blockbuster. It was the beige and the white, but then uh, Cineplex Odeon was the burgundy. The we had the burgundy jackets, right? Um, we had burgundy vests at Warenberg. Nah, we had black vests. We had burgundy on a, on a white with a white doing? Oxford underneath it. When did you yeah. work at Warenberg? I did at the, the Chesterfield Four. Oh, and that was Warenberg bought that from General Cinema. Mm-hmm. I can roll this shit, Stephen Steve Henges and I. Can roll this shit all night long. Multiplex. We used to history. When I first moved out of here, we would Jack would we'd go all throughout Los Angeles, the Valley, and he would just go to theaters. We'd buy a ticket just so we could see the theaters. That's so an Jack old Morris. theater. Yeah, an old duplex or triplex since now closed. Um, harder and harder to find. Yeah. But somebody was just asking me the other night, best pizza in Los Angeles. I can't remember whether we've ever talked about it on this podcast. Palermo's Pizza, Simi Valley, Tapo Road, T A P O Road. Road, not to be confused with Tapo Canyon. 
how did you find Palermo's? And the answer was, Mike Enriquez and I were out driving around Simi Valley looking for Simi Valley where they shot Poltergeist and where the Poltergeist house still stands. Um, and Simi Valley, which is still sort of in, in many respects frozen in that Spielbergian period of, that period of classic Spielbergian suburbia, which is, well, that's where the ET house is, right? The ET house is actually in Sunland. It's okay. Um, but the Poltergeist house is in Simi. We're driving around looking for old movie theaters in Simi. We'd found a few beautiful, again, movie theaters, not old movie palaces, not old neighborhood houses, but old, multiplexes that are since, you know, that are just have been rendered irrelevant by the newer megaplexes, which are all like 14 and up or whatever the dividing line is. And we were hungry and there was Palermo Pizza, which looked like it had been built in the 70s or 80s. We went in and we had the best pizza that I've still had, you know, not consistently, but more often than not, it's the best pizza in L.A. And it was found by looking at old multiplexes, all about it, all about it. Um, Steve would know he's from Texas, which is the land of the last picture show. That's right. I lived in Texas. Did you? What part? I was just in Texas, Fort Worth. All right. Yeah. Steve's from Houston. Yeah. Never, that's the only city I haven't been to. It's Steve not- will tell you it's a glittering gem. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It'd be the only one. It's a great, it's a great place. I think, I think we lead the country in obesity. Um, where is the, that true? Oh, yeah. I'm Specifically almost, I'm, Houston? I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure. Um, can you tell place, us why? Fort yeah, Worth. Because the top the, five recipes. It's, it's the, it's fast food, but also everywhere you go, it's, it's a, it's a dining out culture. There's restaurants everywhere. And when you get a portion, it's like the, the plate's the size of, I mean, it's Texas. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's like <laughs> no, no ra- normal person can finish it, but you know, we, you do. But you and, do. And it's just, it's just like a champ. Oh, it's, it's good, fucking but it's, take uh, that biscuit, take that buttermilk biscuit, and mop up all that fucking all that chicken gravy. gravy. And, oh. <laughs> it's good stuff. And if though. you if you can't get it all mopped up in one biscuit, don't worry. <laughs> There's, There's about <laughs> nine more in, inside that cloth basket. So no, I I have a love times. hate with Texas. It's uh it's my home. Um, born and raised. Born and raised in uh, Houston. And well, I was born in a very small town, Slate, because my parents were going to uh, Texas Tech, uh-huh. and uh, so I was born there. But uh, where? Uh, it's in Slayton, which is near Lubbock. Slayton. Slayton, Texas. Got it. Um, but uh, I grew up from two on in Houston until I moved to New York and then came here. I've been here fifteen years. And Steve's actually the only one in this room who's directed a motion picture. Two. Two. Yeah, that's right. Well, what up? Whoop, whoop. Are we gonna- <laughs> Are we going to finish Matt's game? Because I have a really good one. Wait, one motion picture first. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't just well, be like, you may I have heard, heard of one, Matt. Movie. You may have heard of one. It was, called, it was a little movie called Independence Day. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> is, your, is it Steve Roland Emmerich? Yes. Henches, uh, uh, exactly. Henches. No, I did a movie uh, two years ago called Hunger, not to be confused with the Steve McQueen Hunger. Um, not to be confused with the Catherine Deneuve, David Bowie. That's the, the hunger. hunger. That that's can be confused with the actual feeling of hunger. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, welcome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it's a, a family film. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's a horror film. It's a low, 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 low budget horror film um, that we were part of the Fangoria, the first ever Fangoria Fright Fest. Right. Which uh, yeah, I don't know. When uh, when did that come out? Uh, we came out and that was last last 
summer, actually. Um, and you're out on both DVD and Blu-ray, right? Yeah, uh, Blu-ray internationally. Uh, the domestic distribution company was cheap as shit and decided that Blu-ray wasn't worth it. And I mean, right. yet we did, we did, in Germany, they did an amazing Blu-ray deluxe edition with a booklet and interviews and, you know. No shit. I was, it's insane. And France, wow. France and uh, UK as well. But, uh, wow. USA, not so much. And do you have a sense of how the business was? Uh, we did much better overseas than here. You know uh, that factually. Yeah, we're actually I mean, no, able numbers to wise, uh, both numbers, reviews. I mean, I'm you know we pretty much loathed and despised here, but uh, overseas. You want to? Um, no, oh, it's the synopsis. It uh, it's uh, it's I don't know. Uh, it's a horror film. It's, you know, it's listen. It's not. It's that original five people trapped in a room. You know, uh, strangers, very, you know, Saul inspired, but more for me, more, uh, Hitchcock's lifeboat inspired. You know, people, strangers trapped in one place and the breakdown of humanity to, you know, how far we'll go to survive. Um, it's, we try Does anybody to eat a poop. Heavy. Nobody eats the poop. Um, cause once you stop eating, you stop producing a lot of poop. If you were, <laughs> if you were a PT Barnum, if you were a PT Barnum and you had to get people into the tent, what would you say? What's the, what's, among, you probably don't want to give away your T-Rex, but what's a, a velociraptor equivalent of a nasty, skanky thing that they might see when they're, well, you they all, check this you, movie you out. all want to see how, how long people go until will you actually kill someone to eat them, or how hungry can you be? Two hours. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> how, how stoned am I? Two and a half hours. <laughs> I, I'm in a room with five people? Yeah. An hour and a half. <laughs> I, I already had that worked out. <laughs> And who's the first to go? Is it the you know is the the the, the pretty it's, girl it's the fat guy? The fat guy. Exactly, it's fat guy. I hate right. to be mean, but it's fat guy. <laughs> um, because they're slow and they can't run fast. Not at all. I was just thinking in terms of like there's more. You're mass. hungry. There's mass. Yeah. Like you might not need to kill another person for another day or so. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. In all fairness, the fat guy should know he has it coming though. Yeah, that's so, true. In that situation, that's true. Now we actually coming to- from a former fat guy, so I was prepared to die at any moment. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you were a fat kid, fat grown up, or uh, fat from like eighteen, fat stoner years, like eighteen to twenty two, like two thirty, two forty. Yeah, like, what? I'll wow. Show you pictures, like fat. Yeah. Well, like what are you now? One fifty one. Holy shit! Jesus. What did, did you did Christ. you just Matt Cohen? stop smoking? Uh, stop smoking pot and yeah, that no. <laughs> for a day ever. No, uh, <laughs> like treadmill, and I stopped drinking beer. I used to wake ah. up. Was, I lived in Vermont. I went to a lot of like jam band shit. I used to wake up and drink like. 240s of old E every day. So it was, it was mostly malt liquor weight and sadness. Dude, I always took you as... <laughs> sadness weighs a lot. <laughs> I always took you as a skinny kid. Nah, I mean... You're so skinny. Well, now I am, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, but, uh, do you have unsightly um, stretch marks and gross evidence of your so former fatness? Not so bad, actually. I looked no? up. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I'll show you pictures of Fat Matt one day. He was a lovable, charming bastard. Jolly. Ah, jolly, fat more, people more are jolly. No, more Lindy sad. Tells us. Stoned, very high. Um, Steve, what was the other movie? Oh, uh, I did a movie called Jacklight, which was years ago. It was my actually my my senior thesis project that I cheated instead of doing a short. We did a feature, right? Um, you know, it was a twenty-something big chill because that was a very you know original at the time too, right? Um, but uh, that was that was nineteen ninety-five. Were you punished for cheating? Um, no, actually, I, I was worried they were going to expel me, but my, my plan was to deliver a short version of the film. But, um, we, we, I'd written the short version and gotten the equipment, but we were, I, I took a crew from New York, an actress from New York, and we drove them down in a, 
like a 15 passenger van to Brenham, Texas. Um, and we, we were shooting between, you know, for the, the Christmas break. So we had three weeks and I decided it was kind of silly to shoot a short film when I had a feature script. So I told the school I was going to shoot the short and just because of the break being three weeks, we had three weeks before we had to return the equipment. And I'd won a grant from Kodak where they were giving me all this film. So this is way pre-video. So it was, you know, all the, all the film and all the processing was free. So it was crazy to, if I had the actors, the script and the locations, why not just shoot the feature? I would turn in the short to the school and they'd be happy, um, and never know. And then I would walk out eventually with a, with a feature film. But, uh, they got wind of it and instead of expelling me, they actually kind of bent over backwards to give me more equipment and, and nice. make it happen. Um, let that be a lesson. Film students. That's right. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, I was so naive. I, had I known what I was doing, I would have never done it, but, uh, it was. Which uh, of those two movies are you going to watch the most by, by the time your life is drawn to a close, which of those two movies will you have seen more? I could probably live without seeing either one of them ever again, but, uh, I, I, now, I mean, you know, listen, it's all an experience, but once I'm done with something and the cut's locked, it's like I have no desire to ever look back. I mean, when you're cutting it and testing it. Like your babies? No, God, no. It's, uh, I, I, it's hard to watch. You know, it's because I always think of what I could have done better, how how it could be better, and Jack masturbates to every episode of this podcast. <laughs> well, so do I. Hey, good podcast. I don't <laughs> masturbate. I I I like to refer to it as Jack lighting. Oh, hey Jack. Steve. Hey, our, our tagline was Jack lighting's not hunting; it's killing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We didn't need marketing people for that. Yeah, exactly. We came up with it all by ourselves. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go back to Matt's game. All right, what, so what is yeah, Matt's game? Kerrigan's got his thing, right? Oh, the, th- the theater. Yeah, memorable all- movie experiences, what theater, what movie, why, and so forth. I've got more. We could do a couple. I saw, I saw uh, an archival Blood Simple with my dad at mm-hmm. the Roslyn Movie Theater, which is like an old two-screener in Long Island. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. I also saw a Mad Max there with my dad with restored Australian dialogue. Wow. Huh. I used to drag my dad to a shit he had no fucking idea about. But he's a stoner, too, so he just, I think, went along for the ride. I think for me it was, uh, I mean, it's it's mostly nostalgia. But when I was a kid, I remember standing in line with my dad, 1977, to go see Star Wars. Yeah. And seeing Star Wars in a theater called the Pond, it was a duplex in Sugarland, Texas. That was, you know, bulldozed probably early 80s. The town? The, uh, no, the, <laughs> the, 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 the Sugarland still well, exists, actually. Sugarland of Steven Spielberg's. Sugarland Express. Feature debut, the Sugarland Express. That's right. But they had this great tripl- uh, duplex that was, uh, I mean, probably s- big screen sat 700 people. Um, well, I mean, just, just, it was, I think, standing in line for hours and hours as a kid with your dad to go see Star Wars. Was it sold out? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, was it the, I remember, there are 700 people in Sugarland. There are. Well, you, I mean, Sugarland's just, just right next to Houston. You okay. know, it's, okay. it's a suburb of Houston, basically. Sure, sure. So it was, uh, more people from Houston coming because it was such a great theater. It was a great venue. A lot of college kids from U of H and, I mean, it was, it was a, I think it was a, if memory serves, it was like a midnight show. I have so many different favorite memories and they all involve, I'm not even kidding. Boys. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> yeah, they all involve boys. Um, no, they all involve fucking popcorn. 
I don't mean fucking the popcorn, but which theater had the best popcorn? It's really, it's just like it depends. The Tivoli in St. Louis before it underwent restoration, and the old popcorn machine went out by the curb. That had like its own unique kind of popcorn. Um, the old AMC Century 14, when it was above the now shuttered Houston's restaurant at the what used to be called AMC, or no, what used to be called Century, Century City. City Shopping Center is now Westfield Shopping Town Century City, had amazing popcorn. Anyway, Kerrigan, I feel like we need to get to you. Um, I'll come back and talk more mm-hmm. about popcorn. I'll go about popcorn for fucking hours. Yeah, mmm, popcorn. So good. Mm, I love popcorn. It's so fucking good. You know what's crazy now though? You go into the new AMC, and because it's a chain, they have to post their, uh. I don't want to see that. <laughs> their, their nutrition information, and like yeah. a large popcorn is like 1700 calories. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a hot dog too with that. Uh, in case we never come back around to it, the best popcorn this moment in Los Angeles, in my opinion, uh, is the new Regal downtown really? at LA Live, mm. where we had Tent City and we had the Breaking Dawn premiere. The best popcorn in Los Angeles at the moment is at that new Regal. It's really, really good. The ArcLight caramel corn. Is yes. The ArcLight caramel corn, but is we're, not we're not talking about caramel corn. I'm sorry, corn. I cheated, I cheated. We're talking about popcorn. Do you do salt and butter? Uh... No, I take it the way it comes. I'm a plain guy too. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. fuck around with that shit. Also, I don't want my hands to be covered in fucking. Also, by the way, it, it ain't butter. <laughs> covered in what? Smegma. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, kids. S M E G M A. Um, Wikipedia. But by the way, it's not even called butter. It's called fuck. It's called topping. topping. Yeah. Topping. No, I prefer not to have any topping on my popcorn. Was that due to a lawsuit? Somebody sued that it's actually not butter, so they had to change the name. Or I think butter would just be too expensive, right? Yeah. And or then, but they used to call it You can't butter. use it day after day. You can't like heat that melted butter up. And oh, have we that. did. We did back back in the nineties, early nineties. We did. And then we would, congeal it. Yeah, and then it was, heat oh, it back was disgusting, man. I, the Oof. fact that what the I mean, I don't order a lot of food at theaters now because of working at a theater. Yeah. I've never I been one for, I, I'll fuck with a popcorn and a candy, or I think I've had a pretzel maybe like twice in my life, but I've never had like a theater hot dog or theater nachos. Yeah. It just seems not where you should be eating food from. Yeah, I'm going to say, they, they don't delicious. do it here, but in the South, the pickles, like never eat a pickle in a movie theater. Yeah, I probably Why? never would. Because, you know, high school <laughs> kids work in theaters and they're bored. And things happen. <laughs> like what, Steve? Oh, my. <laughs> we, we <laughs> Steve, we don't go through. We don't go through the MPAA. I, okay, even podcast. if you're a bored. What happens? What happened with the pickle? Even if at you're the a multiplex, bored Steve? high school kid, I would say shoving a pickle up your own ass is more punishment for you than the person who eats it. <laughs> well, I mean, well, <laughs> depends, on the, pick, depends stroke, on the pickle. Different strokes, I guess. Steve, no, I want the specific. What's the worst thing you've ever seen or heard happen to a pickle? Uh, at a movie theater. We used to have, we would have pickle races. Not, and they're not, it's not as disgusting as you think. We would, back in the day, the, the hot, the, the, the way you made the hot dogs was on those little rolling grills. Yeah. You know, and so we would, we would lay the pickles on the, the grills and race the pickles. And you know, you have four or five pickles and you pick your pickle and you race them up the thing. And they would all fall off on the ground and, I mean, you just pick them up and throw them back in the jar. Cause <laughs> no, nobody cares. And nobody, <laughs> On the staff would ever eat one of those pickles, um, <laughs> and they would sit there for you know 
months and years. months and months being yeah. you know on the floor, you know, washed off. Kind of. I mean, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was disgusting. I don't think that's any. The, I love the restaurants. Like the, I love the restaurants. There was a movie theater in the Broadway. I, all my references are for fucking Long Island, unfortunately. But uh, there was a movie theater in the Broadway Mall in Hicksville next to like the food court. And you could sneak in whatever you wanted. So I'd bring like right. Panda Express and like pizza and shit. Right. I feel like movie theaters have, themselves have never gotten the concession game perfect other than popcorn. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But do you really be- want, do you want, do you want, I mean, I go, I like AMC Century City now has like French fries. It's, yeah. It seems yeah, it's wrong. All this shit. I don't want that stuff. Right. There. It's you, yeah. popcorn, candy, maybe a hot dog. I don't know. I the grew basics, up, I grew which, up in by the, the way, is more or less what you get at Arclight is the basics. Right. Although they do have their, Chicken, apple, sausage, baguette. Yeah. Which you can have either with watermelon, barbecue sauce, or I can't remember what the other sauce is. Probably some mustardy thing. That's just what I want to eat when I'm watching Mars Needs Moms. Well, have you guys ever seen the, or been to the Alamo Draft House? In, yeah. Yes. Which it's a great concept, but we showed our movie. Uh, There's our, one coming to uh, Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, they're yeah. coming into Marina Del Rey. Nice. Actually, the theater I used to work at as a kid is now an Alamo Draft House in Houston. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But, uh, uh. Which is the, by the way, we should say is the Revival House theatrical wing of the sort of much more popular and better known Mondo purveyors of prints and posters. It's towards, well, it's, it's Tim League. You think Mondo is bigger than Alamo? I think Mondo is, be- I think Mondo is better known across the intertubes than the draft houses, maybe, yeah. Maybe in the last year or two when it's gotten insanely These popular. These print sales are off. Totally, the, but Alamo's oh. been a geek. I mean, well, how many buttonomathons have there been at the draft house now? Ten? Like, it's kind of yeah. been an institution for a while. Oh, no, way more than ten. Twelve, I maybe, I think. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And he also does the Rolling Road show where, for instance, he'll bring that print of Close Encounters and show it right at Devil's Tower. As we saw Clerks uh, in Red Bank, they did Rolling Road show. Yeah. But did they do the same thing as the draft house? So you can full menu and it is food? the draft house. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's Tim League. It's all Tim League. And he's got Mondo badass, Draft badass, House and Rolling Roadshow. Badass Digest is League also. Yeah. There's, he started a movie. Like they're acquiring films now. Like they they distributed Four Lions, that amazing like Suicide Bomber comedy. Wow. The uh, Christopher Morris film. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which is why if you have what about seen Tim it, League? Is he a good guy? Yeah, I think so. You like, met him? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of times. Um, huh. it's, yeah, I like what he's doing. I like, I even dig Badass Digest. Nice. Yeah, Devin Faraci writes for them now. Uh, well, I was not, uh, uh, a fan would say it lately. I didn't dig his shit at Chud, but uh, since he's gone over to Badass, uh, I'd been digging Devin stuff more. So, That's uh, interesting. yeah. I'll have to get Devin on the show. He would definitely come on, I think. Anyway, uh, Kerrigan, back to you. Uh, yes. It was 1995. At the Esquire. Let's figure out another tangent we can go off just to take the spotlight away from Kerrigan. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, where are you going for dinner tonight? All right. Chick-fil-A? Kerrigan, go. <laughs> it was the Esquire Theater in St. Louis. Yep. And it was the uh, Friday night that Mortal Kombat debuted. Mortal Kombat. And it was unbelievable because... Exactly. And it's filled with... I mean, the movie's bad, but at the time it was amazing. So like, they have this little combat scene, and then, you know, boom, Mortal Kombat. And the entire, everybody gets up, and the yeah. entire house gets up. Everybody starts dancing and screaming, and ah! <laughs> and then, you know, the rest of the movie, like, they're, they're all, like, cat calls and all the campy jokes and shit yeah. like that. So much fun, so awesome. 
awesome experience. What a piece of shit. Not a fun movie. I just, okay, then a real quick one. My, my, my best movie theater experience was not at a movie per se. In the year 2004. Did you get finger blasted? No, oh yeah, a bunch of times, but that wasn't this. Um, in the year 2004, Fish, my band Fish, uh, they, there was a sold out concert in Brooklyn. It was the one concert I got shut out the entire summer. I went to like 30 shows. Right. And there was this first concert in Brooklyn they were doing and they were telecasting it live at United Artist Theaters around the country. So you could pay like 30 bucks yeah. and you watched an entire Fish concert on yeah, a live like Fathom stream. Fathom events. Totally. This has been 2004. There were really, really, really many. So in this movie theater I'd been going to my entire life, like as a movie theater, one night turned into fucking fish concert. A uh, fish concert. There were nitrous tanks inside of the Westbury 12. That's hilarious. Everyone was smoking pot and drinking and like they just the ushers just gave up. Like That's people, awesome. it was insane. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That was fun. Also, I saw Jay and Bob on 9/11. I'm just doing running through the hit list. Well, after the towers fell, Everyone left school because we were like pretty close and a lot of people's parents were involved and they were like, fuck it, just go home. Me and a buddy went to go see Jay and Bob again and the ushers had just abandoned the fucking movie theater but had forgot to lock the doors. So we walked around for like 15 minutes. Really? Like there was no one in the entire movie theater. People had just left work when it happened. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Were you Long Island or? Yeah, Long Island. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I got I never I, worked at a movie theater. That must have been fucking. Did that ruin it at all for you guys? No, God, no. Nah, it was great. Experience. No way. I mean, I it was the only time in my life I wore a suit to work. But <laughs> I got. I, I, yeah. I, I'm Who's surprised I didn't get in more trouble because I towards the end they actually were stupid enough to give me the keys to the place. Yeah. And like on a Saturday night we'd be out drinking, you know, bottles and James, and we'd go after the theater closed. Mm-hmm. I'd take a bunch of my friends and we'd have little private screenings we'll before the, the cleanup crew came. Um, and it never occurred to me that the, the mall security would, would notice. And I, I'd done it four or five times. And finally the manager, I was leaving to go to college. He's like, um, yeah, so, uh, I hear there might have been some, uh, late night screenings here. <laughs> like, right. oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm out the door. Peace. <laughs> did you ever fuck in there? I never did. Did you ever do anything in there? No, I was, I was a pretty a neurotic nature. No, I was, yeah, I was so neurotic and like, you know, Steve. do-gooder. Come on. I know. Well, I'm making up for it now. Switch topics. What was the first movie you ever had in a, a uh, intimate encounter with during in a theater? Uh, I remember my, I got my first none. hand job during House on Haunted Hill. Leonard Part 6. <laughs> See, everyone's got What? Everyone's got one, man. Really? Leonard Part 6. With yeah. the combat push. Oh my god. It was, I mean, you know, that's a movie you just go to to pick a movie because you're, you're dating somebody and you just want to like, you just you know, want to fuck yeah. in the back aisle. So. Back row. I rather. didn't see much of the movie, but it was great. I never had an erotic experience in the movie theater. Me neither. That was like the big thing when I was like, like 14. Gonna, we're not going to talk about the one we had with each other. <laughs> <laughs> when you were 14, 15. Twilight like, Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. There weren't many places like your parents would drop you off. Her parents or his gentleman. That's why kids would, go to the movies. That's why kids fuel absolutely. the box totally. office. You have a dark fucking to room. get out of no one your parents' you. house. Yeah, yeah. And That's right. Fuck. I've never seen Tale as old as time. Game. And it's like Vegas. What happens at the movie stays at the movies. <laughs> On the seat. <laughs> After Top Gun, midnight screening. Yes. 70 millimeter. Yes. I, uh, Greg Yolen, we miss you, by the way, as you answer phones. Is that what he's doing right now? Sad Panda Express. That's the new restaurant chain I invented today. Where Yolen works. He's the sole employee. Sad Panda Express. What's up? Um... 
Yeah, Yolen's at work. Yolen's answering those Bill Condon incomings. You I've never you just said fucking in a movie theater. I've never seen someone had actual intercourse in a movie theater. I haven't either. No. That would be a a fucking astounding kind of thing. Like I think the movie should stop. IMAX theater. Why? Because it's a bigger theater? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get the logic on that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was an early IMAX theater, though? Like the Museum of Science, and you were watching, like, <laughs> rock, so, Remember when IMAX was only, like, the yeah, whale? Right. Science, science museums. Fucking, Everest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, science totally. centers. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'd probably have hooked up during one of those films in, like, camp or totally. something. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the 14. magic of special effects, Star Wars and beyond. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even get to see that one. I was watching all, like, Expedition to Everest. Yeah. I think it was called. Or the Coral uh, Reef, narrated yeah, by school, Sting. Yeah, field trips, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Those have quite a library, IMAX Corporation, don't they? By this point. Do they still do that? Sure. Uh, in-house film, in-house, like, documentaries? Uh, isn't there one in St. Louis? An there Omnimax? Is, there is an Omnimax in St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, of course. Why, why are you looking surprised? Of course I would know this. How dare you? Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Matt Cohen, do you have something to add to St. Louis before the mic goes back over to Kerrigan? Never been. Okay. Never been. No one's ever invited me. Hand it over to Kerrigan. Ladies and gentlemen, Kerrigan Hennings, newly, newly legal, Kerrigan Hennings. Ding, ding. Revisits. Revisits St. One Louis. One of his hometown. <laughs> it's just, whatever. I mean, like. It's not a dirt bag. I mean, it kind of is. Really? We're going to go back in the spring, are you in? Well, it depends on when. <laughs> really, we're going back next week, are you in? No. Really? Why not? Good next week. Well, we're going back in two weeks, are you in? We've got a prom bus parked outside. We're going right, <laughs> we're going right now. Podcast. <laughs> are you fucking in? <laughs> well, okay, I'm in then. Oh my god, so perfect, perfect, perfect. So, avid followers of Team Jack who listened to episode 13, the lost episode, which I just want to say for the record, was way funnier listening to it. Funny. Than it felt in the room at the time. Matt Cohen was right. Um, so here's how one of the many, many threads discussed during episode three, uh, 13 rather, played itself out. A few mornings ago, the doorbell rings. Our doorbell is hooked up to our, uh, like our whole phone system and shit, which is actually a pain in the ass. And, uh, but it keeps me from having to run up the stairs just to see who's at the door. Is it some guy with flyers or whatever? So the doorbell rings and, uh, I answer the phone. Did you listen to episode 13? Steve? Yeah. All right. So you're up on this. It's like, Hey, I said, hello. He goes, Hey, it's, uh, Scott Bakula. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with, uh, I just have a, a bottle of wine. I could just leave it at the door. I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll be right up. <laughs> so I came upstairs and stood in the open doorway and talked, talked to Matt Scott Bakula, whose dog Eric Odom and I saved from potential, uh, potential yeah. trouble, um, on our way back from Vegas. And, um, he is a St. Louisan, along with John Goodman and... Bob Costas. And... Nelly. And... I'm just going to keep doing it. Can yeah, but Nelly's a St. Lunatic. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is one of... Uh, Kevin Klein, or as they used to call him back in the old days, Kevin D. Klein, because he would turn down every offer. 
Um, he is one of St. Louis's most famous actors, basically. And, uh, he still goes back there for the holidays. That's where he was, uh, while the, uh, dog was out and the person who's looking after the dog was not doing their job. Anyway, he stood in the doorway and we just bullshitted about St. Louis for like 30, 35 minutes. I came right out of my Battlestar Galactica closet with him and then quickly admitted to him, probably, Hopefully didn't insult him, but told him that, uh, I never really watched Star Trek Enterprise. So, uh, but, uh, like, what a great guy. And we just stood there talking about everything that's great about St. Louis, which includes Emo's Pizza, Lion's Choice, Roast Beef and Hot Ham and Swiss Sandwiches, Ted Drew's Frozen Custard on Old Route 66, the restored Fabulous Fox Theater, the restored Union Station Train Station, and what's the other shitty eating that we do out there? Emo's Lion Choice Steak and Shake, which we got in Saint in uh, Las Vegas, which was terrible. So when's he coming on the show? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you tell him how much you love Necessary Roughness? I, that's a great movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Shot in Texas. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a football movie. It's right? a football movie. Yeah. Scott Bakula is an aging quarterback with a few years left or one year left on his eligibility uh-huh. and Hector Elizondo and Robert Loja, the coaches find him in obscurity and okay, so put the old guy back to by Gary Marshall. No, it wasn't actually it's one of the few Hector, Hector Elizondo Elizondo movies. That's that not directed job. by Gary Marshall. Yeah. Um, but uh, going back, I feel well, who like directed it, Steve. I that I don't know. I have to, mm-hmm. I have to look up. I still feel like you could have got him as a guest because that whole dog thing works two ways now. You know where it lives. Like you brought it back to him, you could just as easily kind of take it away. I guess. <laughs> podcast guest? No. Yeah. If he won't guest hey, man, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's a good podcast. Tell him to listen to the last episode. I know. It's just he's already standing there with a nice bottle of Malbec in his hand. I didn't really want to fleece him. I know. I you know. know. I mean, if we were just about to roll and that doorbell rang. Ding dong. What? <laughs> Marlon Wayans and Scott Bakula. Oh, we gotta get fucking Marlon in yeah, here. How'd the Marlon Wayans thing start? It started it was- when he called Bill during like episode one or whatever. Two and I heard the phone yeah. ring and I got up and ran into the kitchen and looked at the caller ID and it actually said Marlon Wayans <laughs> on the fucking caller ID. And so now anytime the phone rings, it's always is- Marlon. Or now back, and if it's the door, if it's Bakula. Out of the house. Well, he's got a lot of free time right now, doesn't he? Marlon? Yeah. Yeah, he's just waiting for this Richard Pryor movie to come together. I think he's going to have to wait a little longer. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. He's certainly not waiting for G.I. Joe 2, which is not G.I. Joe 2. It's now The Rock and Bruce Willis in the desert. Well, and him having been, him and the rest of the cast having been annihilated in the opening scene, right? See, everyone keeps saying that, but I only think they show Channing Tatum's on-screen death. I don't even think Marlon Wayans is in the movie. Well, the question is whether or not they mention his They might be implied that, like, the entire G.I. Like, oh, hey, remember those 14 people you knew? Yeah. They're all on that plane. Yeah. But we can't show you inside. It's very secretive. Um, Steve, are you throwing it back? I'm, I'm looking now. I'm obsessed okay. with finding the director of Necessary Roughness. Uh, let's get to movies for a second. You seen any, seen anything, anything new pop up on your radar? Well, who's excited about, uh, the Dolly Parton Queen Latifah movie? Oh, come on. Not a. <laughs> What's it called? A Joyful Noise. Joyful Noise. Uh, wasn't that the movie? So that- January. <laughs> First quarter movies. Um, first quarter movies however, equals studio dumping ground. There are two first quarter movies I'm incredibly excited for. Yes. Haywire and The Gray. The Gray. I mean, that looks... Yeah, everybody's I mean, stoked about The Gray. Who directed it? Joe Carnahan. 
Huh. Rebounding from 18. Narks Joe Carnahan. Did he need a rebound from 18? Was it a disappointment? Oh, I think 18 was a big disappointment. Yeah. I didn't know. I, mean, I don't keep up. Yeah. And that. then, uh, Haywire, the Soderbergh flick with that MMA fighter, Gia Carino. Yeah. Good poster. I watched it for five minutes on Hulu last night. Not so awesome in the acting department, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll come along for the ride. <laughs> but she can kick ass. Yeah, I know, but were she's you, a badass. Were you so. supposed to be watching the first five minutes on Hulu last night, or was it bootleg? No, no, no. They put it out there. Okay. They were like, this movie. Who's so the people, distributor? Do we know? Relative? I have no fucking idea. Hmm. When in doubt, I say relativity. We should also just say for this moment, if this podcast, if each and every episode of Team Jack acts in some way as a little time capsule that we screw the top on and entomb in the sidewalk, we should just say that as this episode is be- being recorded uh, Wednesday afternoon, January 11th, probably... We presume that the attorneys on both sides of Summit and Lionsgate are working out their final differences, and they'll be announcing that merger any minute now. Will that affect the release of, of course, no. everyone's favorite? Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part, Part two. 2. No. We don't have a date yet. To, to yeah, be, November, November. Oh, we do have a date. Over something. I don't think they'll move the date. Maybe they will. For Expendables 2, you think? Well, that's their next. I think these dates have been announced. I mean, the Twilight date has been announced. They're not. Gonna, that's that's just the usual Twilight date. They're not going to move off it. Ass. Oh my God! Can they get anybody else in that fucking movie? It's probably coming out in August again, right, Steve? Do you I know? Think, I think it is August. Yeah. Wesley Snipes. That's the one guy. Well, he's he's in jail. He's in jail and or <laughs> Romania. One of the two. <laughs> what about a Romanian jail? He, the best part was like when he was supposed to, remember when he was supposed to go to jail and he was like, no, I'm in Romania and he shot like 14 fucking movies in Romania that all cost like $10,000 cause he had to, he had to stay out of America. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, let's see. Haywire, you got the gray. What? Are, it's, it's a weird year, man. It's you have the, let's rescue the, um, you, Wait, Let's wait, rescue wait. the whales that are trapped in the ice movie. The, they call the, the big miracle. Is that a movie yeah. coming yeah. out? Yeah. People love aquatic animals. Well, it's like dolphin tail. I mean, the big miracle exists because dolphin tail was such a hit. Yeah. Nobody says we're going to make this movie unless dolphin tail makes sixty million dollars. But that's actually, that actually can't be true because a dolphin tail. A dolphin's tail was a big hit only like three months ago, and this movie has been an I don't know. I saw it, first saw a trailer for this in like November. I'm not kidding. The best part about a dolphin's tail is I heard an interview on NPR with the guy it was actually based on, and he's Scottish or something. Oh, really? And they were like Morgan Freeman. I think that don't think <laughs> that's the first name that comes to mind. Hilarious. Uh, all right, so I have the answer we've all been looking for. Right. The, dire- the, the director again. of Necessary Roughness is none other than Stan Dragetti or Dragati. Oh fuck! How can I? Big director of Mr. Mom. Oh wow! Great movie. Uh, Love at first bite, and the Who man wrote with Mr. one Mom? red shoe. Mister Mom was written by. That was George Hamilton. Yes, yeah. 1979. Who wrote Mister Mom? Mister Mom was written by. Got a rhymes with Hughes. John Hughes. That's right. Yep, yep. He was on y'all. You talked about him last that week, right? Or was that the week title. before? I don't know. I John think we talk yeah. about John Hughes a little bit every week. It was with uh, as you should, Adam. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Mr. Mom is Mike Michael Keaton. Keaton. All right, good. Ooh, Terry yeah. Gar. And Terry Martin Gar, Mall. Martin Mall. That's, yeah. I loved that movie. That was a great movie. I loved that movie. 
Our neighbors are friends with Terry Gar. I kind of want to meet her just she's for still close alive. encounters. I've heard she's had some, she's disappeared because she's had some crazy medical issues. <sighs> oh, really? Yeah. Someone was telling me the other day, we were, talking, we were talking about like where Terry Gar is gone. Get, because get our neighbors on and they can tell us yeah. what's become of Terry Gar. I was hey, watching yo. the conversation the other day and Terry Gar's in, I mean, she was in everything. Huh. I like to think that every actor who's in like the public consciousness and either retires or quits or does something and goes away, they're all living in like a uh, RV camp together somewhere. <laughs> it's like Gene Hackman's knocking on Helen Hunt's door <laughs> and they're hilarious. like, let's fucking play Scrabble or whatever. Well, for all the luminaries who live in our neighborhood, and I just heard another one, which is Scarlett Johansson has apparently moved in. Ooh, you guys have a, a stacked fucking neighborhood. We still place. do have you Howard Hessman. Bob Barker. From WKRP in Cincinnati. What's that? Don't forget Scarlett. head of the class. Head of the class, that's Howard right. Hessman. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Well, she's on, she's on the same street as Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy. No? It was a, it was a realtor. She had a garage sale and what was it, what was there? A private item that was mistakenly put on a public sale table in front of her driveway? The whole the whole Hollywood celebrity real estate culture is so weird. I was recently uh real estate hunting um around here and almost nine times out of ten without fail, they would be like, Do you know this house belonged to uh the guy who played the son on Nip Tuck? And I'm like, Sweet, <laughs> does that lower the price or something? Like why exactly. would that make me want to buy this fucking house? Exactly. Uh Sandy Bullock, you know, stayed here. He used this as a peer to tape for a month. Because Bill Condon's theory is that that's all we have in Los Angeles. Celebrity, and that every house, if anybody famous has either lived there or stayed there for a prolonged period of time, those names should all be stacked and engraved on a brass plaque that's right next to the front door. Like they do at the studios, (laughs) and they shoot. You know, Citizen Kane was filmed on Stage Seventeen. Ian McKellen slept here. Skeet Ulrich used to do blow here. Well, you guys have the Ian McKellen bedroom, right? It's like the Lincoln bedroom. McKellen suite. Okay. It's got a hobbit hole door. <laughs> it does. It's a mashup though. Then it's got a giant fucking, uh, e- e- league, evil, uh, brotherhood of mutants fucking, uh, exactly. thing on the ground. And something so. from apt pupil. A giant swastika. I didn't want to say. The Nazi costume. I didn't want to say you had a giant swastika Kurt in your house. costume hanging, <laughs> hanging in the closet. <laughs> hey, oh. Um, where were we? You I'm the only give, one not drinking, by the way. You didn't give your uh, cinematic experience. I mean, you kind of danced around it. We got to talk about popcorn. So, what, but what was your favorite? Yeah, too uh, many. I mean, honestly, too many to name. But, hmm. How many? How many cities would you say you've you've gone to films in? Ooh. Oh God, Matt, where do you come up with these questions? <laughs> Marijuana. Who, how, and by the way, who let you in? <laughs> um. Okay. Cuz you're you're a Here fucking we go. Here we go. Here we fan. go. Yeah. Kenilon, New Jersey. Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Jersey City, New Jersey. Manhattan. Watertown, New York. Fort Drum, New York. Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania. Fort Monroe, Virginia, Hampton, Virginia, Newport News, Virginia. St. Louis, many, many theaters in and around the St. Louis city and county region. Many, many theaters around Los Angeles. I've seen movies with Bill up in San Francisco. 
I don't think I ever saw a movie. I actually, we actually, I was just up recently in Seattle for the opening of this horror movie prop and costume exhibition at the, what's now called the EMP, and we ducked into the only other opening, the only other open and operating Cinerama theater in the country, which is owned by Paul Allen and was restored by him, who also more or less owns the EMP. Um, and we ducked in to see the props and costumes that were on display in the lobby. And they were actually in the middle of a Cinerama festival. I think they were showing like how the West was won or something like that. So I, I bought a ticket for, uh, I bought a ticket and we went in and they had, um, the, the most interesting thing if, if I'm tying a bow on it is, uh, they were actually, you walked into the lobby and this, this warm wave of chocolate air hit your face like you were at uh, the Hershey factory in Pennsylvania where I've actually been. And chocolate rain. They were popping chocolate popcorn. Oh. Popping in the lobby chocolate popcorn, which then they would. What is chocolate? I mean, it's the seed, the seed. Like, no, it's pop. I don't know how they, I don't, I don't know, but then they take the, they take the popcorn from the popper and they put it in like sort of the counter, you know, with a piece of glass that fronts the lobby. So you're kind of like looking down at that freshly popped popcorn and it looks like popcorn that's basically covered in dirt. But you can see enough popcorn coming through. It's really weird. Did you have any? Uh, no. Okay. Interestingly, I do not remember that they were, I don't think they were making, um, caramel corn up there. And the arc light down here, which is attached to the Cinerama dome, um, not only is the caramel corn so amazing at arc light, but the reason it's so amazing is that they, they actually make it there. Do they really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to say, probably the worst thing about um, the worst thing about my experience ripping tickets for Warenberg Theaters back in St. Louis, which is still in business, it's the hometown mm, yes. m- movie theater circuit. That's what I did. Is um, is the fact that they bought, they popped all of their popcorn off site and brought it in in large, oh, long, that, that- like three, four foot bags. General Cinema used to do that. Not at the Terrible. Chesterfield. Yeah. Not at the Chesterfield. We popped it there. Really? Well, well, here's the deal. At we Clarkson, had two kinds. They were put into the warmer. We had pre-popped and we also popped. Yeah. And the popped that we did was like a premium thing and it had like 700 extra calories. You know, if you're pop, if you're popping, it's less about the calories. I think a lot of old timers would say like, oh, I, I really love going into a movie theater lobby and seeing and hearing and smelling fresh popcorn it's actually the, being it's popped smell, in front yeah. of you. But it is the smell. Um, it does, it doesn't offend me so much the fact that, oh, they don't do it there, like, from some philosophical position or whatever. What offends me is when they're popping it off site like that, you have no idea how old that popcorn is. Right. You have no idea. And you can let that shit sit in a warmer for six, eight hours. It's not going to make it any younger. It's not going to make it any fresher. But it will make it warmer. It will make it warmer. Thank you. Kerrigan, how's that tramadol treating you? <laughs> I'm a lawyer. We always popped up. We always popped on site, but 
when there was a big week, mo- you know, big movie weekend, we would pop a bunch. You just pop like crazy the night before. So that you could constantly. Right. And then when, when but the, ru- that, but that's reasonable. And you would know that because it's the night before and I can live with that. But that stuff that was coming in off the truck was days old. At least. Yeah. You know, you're such a purist. I'm not. I just don't want popcorn not, that was popped wait, 72 hours even ago. Even popcorn pop that day that's been sitting in the, it's not that good. I mean, $48 for a bucket <laughs> of that shit. You popcorn, know? popcorn has about a two to four hour life of, of yeah. true freshness. And then it gets soft and yeah. chewy and shitty. Especially if it's been heated. And by the way, and, it will give you the fucking shits. Well, the worst is when you, when you pop the popcorn and then the night the, they don't throw it away, we'd scoop it back into bags and start the next morning uh, with that's it. That's what we when did. Warm popcorn yeah. goes cold and then rewarmed, it's like bad. beer. It's, it's just just like bad. you don't, you don't, you know, it's like a cold beer going warm and re, re, re-chilled again. It's terrible. Yeah, it's just bad. Skunked. It's just bad. It's one of many reasons I was excited to see AMC actually come into the St. Louis market during the late 80s. They came in and they bought out all the general cinemas. They on the Esquire? Yes. Where uh, I saw Mortal Kombat. Because you just knew. It's like, well, mm, one circuit pops popcorn right in the fucking lobby. And it rhymes with AMC <laughs> out of Kansas City <laughs> versus St. Louis. Exactly. Dirtbag dirt bag town with dirtbag. Yeah. With the dirt thing bag popcorn popping principles. It, it always seemed to be like, and I guess it's this is comes from its roots of being once a major city. Like they always had everything, but some it was somehow like cheapened. Like they had their own airline, right? TWA. TWA, as they the Brits used own, to call it. Try walking across. They had. <laughs> they had their own department <laughs> store, famous oh, bar. <laughs> somehow, eh. Which which department store? Famous Sticks, Bar. Baron, Fuller, or Famous Bar? Famous Bar. The May Company. Well, the May Company owes it now, but they owe everything now. Basically. Right, okay, okay. Um, they had their own theater. Weirenberg Theaters. The only really good thing that, uh, to me, ever came out of St. Louis was the Cardinals. No, 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 no. Emo's Pizza. Well, yes, yes. Em- but Ted Drew's Frozen they Custard. Pizza. Yeah, they had their own everything. Toasted ravioli, which is on the menu at every restaurant in St. Louis, regardless of the cuisine. And you said it before, Nelly. And Nelly. <laughs> they had their Nelly own rap queen. superstar, but somehow kind of eh. Oh, really? Is he fallen from grace? Well, he isn't putting out an album in like five, six years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's on the farm with uh, Gene Yes, he, he yeah. got rich and yeah. he's like fucking Chris Tucker, right? <laughs> yeah. I love Chris Tucker. Oh, poor Chris and, Tucker. And by the way, when we were going through Chris Tucker's hits and all you guys kept talking about was Rush Hour, hello. Money Talks. Right, Friday. Oh, that's right. The most brilliant stoner movie ever. His greatest role. Uh, Matt Cohen just sat up straight. Matt Cohen. <laughs> Friday. Matt Cohen Come is on. offended. You ain't got no job. The most brilliant stoner movie ever. Billy, Billy Madison. I, uh, no. No body no even consumed in that film, sir. Oh, well, this is a big topic. I mean, to me, um, there's a there's a distinction between a stoner movie and a weed movie. Friday falls into the former, so I'll give you that. But I also think it's more of an urban movie than a stoner movie because I had no connection to Friday growing up. And by urban, like, you, you it's really a, it's mean a, black people. It's a black movie. The blacks made the movie for themselves to watch. No, um, hello, Jimmy the Greek. Uh, no, no, so like... How high I like more than Friday because it's What about only... Stephen Gyllenhaal's Homegrown? I haven't seen it. Oh, well, yes, I have. With Luke Wilson? No. It, well, he may be in it, but it's Billy Bob Thornton, Ryan yeah, yeah, Phillippe. Yeah. It's pretty good. Also, yeah. Saving Grace, the British movie. Do you know that one? No. Oh, God. It's... Uh, I don't know the lady's name. It's all, like, octogenarians. It's about um a B&B 
that's about to go out of business, and the woman who runs it's like a brilliant horticulturist, and she finds that one of the guys staying there sells weed, so it's like a sixty-something-year-old British woman trying to sell. Helen, no, is it Helen? Oh, I don't know. It probably is. Uh, it might be. It's really what about really, waking Ned Divine. Same, like a year after, same exact vein might be the same fucking director. It went what full Monty, Ned Divine, Saving Grace. Um, which is, which is it, a stoner movie or a weed movie? Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. Oh, both. No. <laughs> no, no, no. You get what I mean, though. Like, um, well, Elizabeth Warren is a stoner movie. Uh, the Golden Elizabeth, Age the golden is more. Age. Of a, here's the distinction. Like, I have, which do you prefer? It's this is like the op, going to the optometrist. Which do you prefer? <laughs> well, this, I mean, which is better? I think this, Elizabeth is much. Oh wait, go ahead. or this, which is better? Elizabeth, the Golden Age. Or Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Ooh. Hellboy 2, The Ooh, Golden Hellboy Army. Two, yeah. This? It's got Seth MacFarlane. Or this. Make a selection. Ready? This or this. Which is better, Steve? This. Elizabeth, The Golden Age. This or Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. This. I gotta go with Hellboy. Yeah. Which, which is better? Hellboy 2, The Golden Hellboy, Army. The go- this. Golden Army. Much better. Or The Golden Compass. <laughs> this. Which is better? Hellboy, The Golden Army. This or The Golden Compass. This. I like the Golden Compass, but I'll, I'll still take Hellboy too. It's when it's, yeah. it's still on the top. Can't go wrong with that. Ian McKellen voice polar bear in Golden Compass, even though it doesn't look that great. And doesn't he fight a, uh, a witch? Swear engine voiced polar bear? What? Swear engine? Uh, that's how fuck Deadwood British scoop. Uh, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Oh yeah, maybe. I believe Ian McShane is the bad guy. Swear engine. Yeah, I go. I go swear engine. (laughs) Um, So should no? Do we need to talk about the Golden Globes on Sunday? Since this is which is better, the Golden (laughs) Compass this or the Golden Globes this? Golden Compass. Is everybody following my eye exam thing here? Yeah. Okay. Is it tedious? We're there. No, no, no. It's working. You've created your own logic for it, so it works. Exactly. And I'm not even baked, nor um, am I drinking scotch, nor am I on tramadol. Golden Globes, I do not, cause we'll, we'll uh, I do not particularly care f- about this year's awards. No, no one I'm interested, none of the films I really love are nominated, nothing. Yeah. I'm gonna take a I pass. I couldn't give a fuck. I, I gotta say, I'm kind of interested in that they brought back Ricky Gervais after last year. Well, that's just, yeah, everybody's scratching their heads at that yeah, because yeah. he was so offensive last year. Like, really, really. So, does really it give him offensive. free license just to go off the rails well, this year? What's the first thing out of his mouth going to be? Oh, that's. I mean, that's. Are you being, these, they're are clearly masochists. You really thought he was that offensive last year? Um. Well. It's Ricky Gervais. Well, I didn't watch the show. Okay. But what I can report to you is that the take around the show. Was that he had stepped way across totally. lines? But the take was from like A-list fucking pampered Hollywood celebrities who don't. And that thing is, nothing he said, nothing he said was untrue. But those people get involved, and believe me, if the Hollywood Foreign Press who put on the Golden Globes are embarrassed, oh totally, by the reaction to well, their host. I, I, he, he bashed uh, Robert Downey Jr. talking about all his. Time I mean, he bashed a lot of people, but I honestly think it was it was a more refreshing take than than just fucking sucking everyone's dick. Yeah, Absolutely. no, I, I'm I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying it's really weird. It's it's basically like it, here's the equivalent. It was like a roast. Isn't it so weird that James Franco and um, <sighs> Anne Hathaway are hosting the Oscars again this year? Yeah. Wait. No, they're not. <laughs> no. My point exactly. <laughs> oh. No, they're not. No, they're fucking because not. Because they yeah. fucked it up. Oh, okay. Exactly. And the take was, you enjoyed Ricky Gervais, but the basically the industry take following was that, that was like, it up? he fucked it up. And so, 
usually the answer to the question of, I can't, why is that person producing the Oscar show again? Did, didn't the last one they produced suck? Or why is that person hosting the Oscars again? Aren't they the most? Or why is that person hosting the Golden Globes again? The answer is always because they went to 17 people first. They all said no. And they, you know, every bow broke on the way down. And now they're back with Ricky Gervais because he's the only one who would do it. How many people did the Oscars have to go through to get the fucking Billy Crystal on that Rolodex? They had to a literally lot. find a Rolodex a lot. in a room of the fucking Academy a that lot. still had Rolodexes in it that hadn't been like computerized. Believe me. I gotta say, I'm, I'm disappointed because I, I, I was looking forward to Eddie Murphy hosting. Uh, that I would totally have been fun. was too, assuming that the writers came through, that, that he and his writers worked together and came up with great material. Yeah. It could have been great. I'm he could have been. He could have been funny. He turns it on. Yeah, he turns it on with the right. Like I said, with the right, the right staff, it could yeah. have been something different. Yeah, but the thing about uh, thing about Eddie Murphy, we can tell you from Dreamgirls and then the Richard Pryor experience after Dreamgirls, is that if if you open that door a crack, he will make a run for it and he will try and get out of whatever whatever he's committed to. I think honestly, with him, it comes back to good old fashioned stage fright. Stage fright, and in the case of something certainly like hosting a live show, feeling like way out of practice. I think had he done what a lot of people feel like he should do, which is basically jump, revive the stand-up in fucking Vegas for $500 a seat or whatever, and he'd been doing that for like a year's time, then he could easily just jump on that Southwest flight for $99 from Vegas to Burbank and host that Oscar show and knock it out of the park because his comfort level with a live audience would be so high. Well, don't you think, though, he'd charter a jet? Yes, I do. <laughs> but, I but he loves those Southwest peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think he drive because he loves the mad Greek in Barstow. Exactly. <laughs> who, who doesn't? <laughs> um... So I think, I think it's, you know, it was good old fashioned stage fright. Brett Ratner's, Brett Ratner sort of created an opportunity. And. Right. Don't you think that whole thing was just a big excuse to get out? Yes. Yeah. I don't think that it was designed or planned. I think that Brett Ratner shot his mouth off. And planned. And they took his head. You think Brett Ratner was pretending to be a homophobic fucking idiot Brett Ratner? No, of course not. He shot his mouth off. They took his head and Eddie Murphy saw an opportunity and took it. I think it's just that simple. I don't think there's any more conspiracy theory. I don't think Eddie Murphy was trying to get out of it or anything like that. I just think that the the door opened and he ran through it. I think the only work you can safely uh, guarantee Eddie Murphy's going to do at this point is if it involves a fucking microphone and a donkey on the other end. Hey, no. Hours worth of fucking work for a paycheck, yeah. and he goes home to Bubble Hill or wherever the fuck he lives now. Uh, He lives up off Mulholland. Right on. With Scary Spice. End of the house. Raising that scary Lovely. baby. Yeah. Enormous. Yeah, it's a big old house. Big old house. Really nice. Big old pool. Sequels pay well. Yeah, they do. Big old Ooh. basketball court. Meet Dave. Lots oh. of uh child's uh toys. Because uh, he has lots of kids. Yeah. yeah. Jungle Jimmy type shit. Yep, yep. And Steve, are, have you said your piece? You'll be back. Uh, you were good. Sure, yeah, well. Are we dead? It's like Ray Liotta. It's like... Uh, <laughs> it's Ray Liotta to... Burt Lancaster, who has just turned, or no, to Frank Whaley, who's just turned back into Burt Lancaster at the end of Field of Dreams. Oh, that's right. You were good. <laughs> you were good. You can come back. 
Um, yeah, I think episode 14 is a wrap. Let's, um, get everything like, uh, wrapped up before Bill Condon comes home from work. Um, Team Jack on Facebook, look for the Kyle Cummings illustration with the little emperor. Like us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, team underscore Jack. A big shout out to the now, I think, 28 ladies who are actually on the real Team Jack who like monitor that Twitter so that I can um, have some peace and quiet after the death of Pigpen and the holidays and the release of the movie. I'm also on Twitter, Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's, Matt Cohen, Camel Toad, Kerrigan Hennings. It's always a big fucking bore to spell it. Kerrigan, that's your roommate calling. Yeah. Do you want to pronounce her last name for us? Podolsky. <laughs> Wayans. <laughs> um, Steve, you already gave your Twitter handle. I now, have, I, now, I now have four followers. No, you should watch. Watch and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I got more followers just because of this podcast. So now I have to tweet. And I love you all, followers. So now you have to tweet. I will start tweeting. Yeah. The act of Thanks tweet. for having me. Been fun. No, you were good. It was good. I guess that's it. Um, we're going to record again this weekend for episode 15. Matt, you look like uh, Lex fucking Luther. <laughs> you look like you've been in life. Vegas for a couple days. All right, thanks for listening, folks, and we'll we'll see you. Uh, sorry we were late, and Bye, see you next Wednesday. Later. <laughs>